How are you doing, everybody? This is Saturday, February 15th, 2020. This is the Jeff Salgado Show with my co-host, Mike Boyd. What's up, man? How you doing? Today, we have an interview with our special guest, Tim Wilson, from the band Wolf King. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I had a good show last night when I played a little gig in Toots Tavern in Crockett, California. So always a surprising reception there. Wait, which band? You uh, have a couple bands. I'm in a couple bands, but the band that's probably most more closely related to our listeners would be the Bitters. Nice. Yeah. If you guys do care, I do play in an 80s new wave band, the <laughs> uh, cover band. So there you go. Rad. You can uh, talk all your shit all you Duran want. Duran Duran? Yeah, we do. Sick. Flock of Seagulls? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we do that. NXS. We do some police. Awesome. Yeah. Good music, but it is, you know. Do you sing? I do backups. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, so we do that song. We do that, what, that song from the fucking Breakfast Club. Where he does the little fist pump at the end and everything. That's uh, Simple Minds. Uh, simple Minds. Great, yeah. great, great movie, great song. Yeah, I'm the one that does the la 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 la's at the end. <laughs> I gotta see this. Man. <laughs> I can't, okay, I'm definitely coming to the next show you guys do. Appreciate that. We're called the Culture Clash. If you ever see us, we've played the press a couple times. Hey, that's just like the Culture Club. There you go. Nice. So, what's new in the world? Uh, topic near and dear to me as a Dodgers fan. Mike Bolsinger, a former big league pitcher who spent time with the Los Angeles Dodgers, Toronto Blue Jays, and Arizona Diamondbacks, filed a lawsuit Monday against the Houston Astros for unfair business practices. Oof. Basically, he's calling them out for being a bunch of cheating-ass motherfuckers. Well, how does that affect them? How does that affect them? So basically what he wants is... He's asking for the Astros to forfeit the nearly $31 million they earned by winning the World Series during the season they cheated. Yes. And the cool thing about it is, and the reason why I actually support him, is because he doesn't want the money for himself. He wants it to go to charities in L.A., and he wants it to go to retired baseball players who need income assistance. You know what? I don't think he's going to get it. This is a league issue, right? Oh, totally. So how is he going to go outside of the league and file a lawsuit? He'd have to file it against the league, actually. True. So either way, he's trying. And I think what it is is that people are just trying to hold the Houston and like the Houston Astros accountable for what they did. Yeah, I understand that, but I I just don't see it happening. Maybe you know because these teams are huge; they got millions and billions of dollars. This wouldn't even count against the cap. What? Here's a couple million. Go away. You know. That might be what happens. That might definitely be what happens. But he's also claiming the reason he's also suing them is. That ended his career because he was right. one, he was one of the okay. pitchers that was highly affected by their cheating. In fact, uh, the article states that their cheating, the amount of trash can bangs or whatever yeah, the fuck they right. were using and shit, was highest during his game. So and he got dropped down to a lower league and has never been able to recover since. Good point. Yeah, I mean, I I think if these teams are really going to get involved in this cheating thing, they need to play Saint Anger and just use the Lars Ulrich snare. You know, just play a certain amount of measures to let the pitchers know because it's about the same thing as a fucking garbage can for sure. <laughs> the Houston Astros were highly influenced by 2003 Metallica. I just, I, like I said in the first podcast, this thing is fucking massive. It's way bigger than anything we've ever seen in the MLB cheating. MLB's already taken a, some major hits, like you said, with the strike, with the steroids. This thing has just got everybody up in arms about it. And all i got to say is the Giants, 
hey, let's San Francisco Giants have legit three World Series, and you can't take those away from us. So whatever happens afterwards, sorry Dodgers, sorry Toronto, it sucks. But where do you go from there? You know, you have to move forward. Did you guys use trash cans? No. No, we actually had Metallica there play on the field. This is true. Ruled. Um, a couple your, arguments against his point. Team. Whatever. A couple arguments against his point was a lot of people said that he had a very low rating as a pitcher going into this. Sure. But the, you can look at this event as the nail in the coffin on hey, his career. If you're leaving a crack in the dam, take a shot at it, right? Right. So, because uh, that's definitely something that's going to be talked about for years. This thing is going to not go away. This is going to be here for a long time, so buckle in. And to follow up on this point, uh, a couple of the players from the Astros finally issued a public apology, and it was very... So they knew. They finally issued a public apology, and if wow. you watch the video of them, I can't remember which players it was that went out and actually apologized, but... It was very insincere. It was kind of like, yeah, we're sorry for the things we did, but we're just focused on the 2020 season now. You're sorry because you got busted. Yeah, like you, didn't, you don't, you're not sorry because you actually regret your decision making and and learn from your experiences. You're sorry because you got called out. Bust. You're still gonna, and that's the thing. It's like you're still gonna wear that ring. You don't give a fuck. No, why would you? I got it. I cheated. Yeah. Whatever. But Bye. then again, but that's the thing. It's just like if you're going to cheat going into it, you probably aren't going to feel too bad about it later on. And that's the thing is with uh, with money. Money's the big deal. Oh yeah. Speaking of money, what other issues are about money lately? Ah, uh, so and I like this band. I like this band a lot. But Rage Against the Machine is uh, they're charging a lot for their little reunion at Coachella and all that stuff like that. I can't remember the exact price but it's up in the threes i believe is it in coachella or I, is it at their own show i think it was coachella that was the big one that, that's where they're doing their first reunion and then after that i just heard the ticket prices are just expensive all around mm -hmm. and a lot of people are upset with that considering they are supposed to be raging against said machine and they're becoming the machine they, they're now <laughs> <laughs> become one with a machine so you know like i was seeing online a friend of mine his name's Ari Locke. i like dropping names this is a guy that used to play in a local sacramento band called blown load he's played in luxed as well he's pretty uh, deep into the industrial scene had a great post on this this subject i'm gonna read it to you uh, it says fans in music in fans of music in 2001 we shouldn't have to pay for music fuck those greedy millionaire bands as we remember with uh, metallica and napster and all that shit entire music industry burns to the ground over a decade Fancy music in 2015, 10 bucks a month. Sure, okay, I can do that, you know, with what you're paying for your free music, Spotify, whatever. And uh, fans of music in 2018, Spotify doesn't pay bands enough, and now we have fans in 2020, ticket prices are how much? I mean, it's a great point. You know, as fans and consumers, you are responsible for this too. What you want to get, what you want to pay for, this all happens this way. How can you blame a band that has... No income off of unit sales anymore. And that's how they made their living. And now they come back. Uh, they're charging a lot of money because they know they're going to be able to. Because they know they can sell those tickets. They know that people are going to pay the price. They're going to go. So, you know, these bands don't make... A, they're not getting 300 bucks off a head that walks in there. They're getting a percentage of that because of the venue they're playing. A lot of people don't understand how music works. But everything's cut into pieces. 
and what the band is going to get from that, sure, it's great. But how often is where's this band been over the last ten years? Nowhere. You know, things cost money. They have to have money to live, and everybody thinks it's just a big free for all millionaire cash grab. It's not the case. It's not that simple. So I I made a similar post, and it says uh, when concerts are too expensive to go see. You should consider discovering an immensely talented local band in your own town because there's plenty of them. There's plenty of bands in every city that are just waiting to be discovered. And every one of these bands that everybody's complaining about charging tons of money, that's how it all starts, is going to see an underground band. You can see them before anybody else did. Support them. They appreciate the support. It's really difficult to make it in the music industry. To even get to this level is mind-blowing. So... As a, as a consumer, you have a responsibility too. Where are you putting your money? Are you putting it in something that you can't afford? If you can't afford it, there's other options to go be entertained. If you can't afford it, then enjoy it. That's just It's just as simple as that. I don't know where the complaining's about. I want to I wanna back you up on a couple of the points you made there, especially when it comes to supporting local bands and everything like that. Or like, you know, like back in 2001 when everyone was talking shit on artists for making millions and millions of dollars. Guess what? They made those millions of dollars because you bought their stuff. You bought their album. You bought their merch. You bought their tickets. So you went, they provided you a bunch of entertainment. And you bought it. Like, it's not their fault they made millions. It's not their fault they, they were successful. You helped make them successful. That's a big thing that I really think that People just think that like all this money was just thrown at these artists. Like, no, you that that was your money. You chose to buy the Black Album. You chose to buy Britney Spears's album. You know, you, hey, 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 hey. Don't talk about Britney Spears. I'm not. I'm not knocking her. I I can't stand pop artists, but she has a special place in my dear heart. Especially when she shaved her head, showed like straight fucking beef shots. That was tight. She went nuts. She's awesome. Yeah, and we She's paid her for artist. it. <laughs> we, we fucking paid her for it. We paid her for it. We're disgusting. <laughs> you know? Horrible so, people. So don't blame a band because they were successful and their music was good and you thought it was good and you bought it. You don't get mad at them. Yeah, you could you know? be you could be like totally rocking some Crayshon, you know? Remember, you know what Crayshon is, right? Yes. Yeah, see, that's an artist that was... Kind of successful, kind of not, just kind of on the fringe. Right. Had some commercial success, not very much, but she's a really good artist. If you actually listen to her music, she's great. We got to get her on the show. She would be awesome. Get her on the show. Let's get Chris on. And another thing is, is to support local music. You know, yeah, if you can't afford Rage Against the Machine, you can afford a band that's equally as good in the underground scene. Gucci, Gucci, Louie, Louie, Vendi, Vendi, Prada. Basic bitches wear that shit, so I don't even bother. Oh, sorry. What were we talking about? <laughs> we're talking about music. Okay. Yeah. Well, funny. that's good music. Uh, yeah. I, I'm a big Crayshon fan. A lot of people talk shit to me. I don't care. It's really cool. Would uh, you like to take a moment and discuss Crayshon? Well, no. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people don't understand me. They think I'm big, some big heavy metal guy, whatever. Yeah, I like metal. I like punk. So what? And I know the show is predominantly that, but I, I, I like a lot of different kinds of music. And my big kick I'm on lately is 70s style garage punk that's being played right now. Like, that's my shit. Like, bass drum of death, hot snakes. Anything that's off of Vinewood Boulevard Radio off of Grand Theft Auto Five, that's my shit right now. I love it. I just openly say it. I don't care. What a weird way to reference all Why that. are you shaking it? Well, because it's good. It's actually really catchy. It's hooky. It's funny. Uh, bands like Waves, Eels, 
you know, like the, well, what are they called? Hipster bands or whatever. I just, I love that shit. I think it's awesome. It's if, really. If, if people don't understand what it is, it just automatically gets tossed under hipster now. Yeah. Yeah. But I like it. I mean, it's been around for a long time, but it's made a good comeback in the last decade. And it's really kind of. But you have to support those smaller bands, though. And yeah, I yeah. do. I do as much as I can. All kinds of bands. Hot Snakes are playing. So if, in Sacramento real soon. I'm pumped on that. Yeah. And if you, if you like I said, if you, you're, you're so bummed about seeing a re- reuniting band play for 300 bucks, go watch the little one. Last night at the gig I played, I kind of made a point to the audience. Uh, the touring band was actually going on after us, and I pointed them out. I'm like, you need to go over there and buy one of their T-shirts or buy their stickers and stuff like that. Because if you don't keep supporting these younger touring bands, eventually there just won't be any touring bands. That's, yeah, that was the thing. When we were yeah. when we played shows in Sacramento a lot, we used to play like all the time, played for tons and tons and tons of touring bands. I would put them up at my house. I'd give them buy some pizzas or whatever, just let them crash and get them ready for the next show. They would just take off. It was grateful. We, we made a lot of connections that way. And when it came time for us to tour, they pulled out all the stops to make it happen and it just that is true networking it's that's how to get off the ground it's the diy formula and you don't even have to be diy you can be on a label and still do that because the artists need to save money as much as they can hotel rooms can become really expensive so think of these things when you see a band in your local local town coming through from out of town go check them out you might see something that will blow your mind it's happened to me many many times and there's always plenty of promoters and a lot of people say well there's no bands in our local scene that's a bunch of bullshit you're just not looking because i guarantee in every city there's a show going on at least once a night easily um in sacramento there's a person that goes out of their way to list every one of those shows and he points out regularly how there's like 300 shows between now and may right in Sacramento. Right. Everywhere. Like, in the city. Like, just alone. <laughs> you know, there's a, right, right there, it's like, you go to 30 of those, there's your Rage Against the Machine ticket. You went to 30 shows versus one show where you're stuck in the back with a bunch of people who don't know Rage Against the Machine, and they're just there because of a name. Well, it's a big name. They've never yeah. seen them. I got the album. The thing, about Rage Against, <laughs> the thing about Rage Against the Machine, I've always said, is they're a great band. If you want to hear one long song, because every album, every song sounds exactly the same to me. I don't know why. It just does. There's certain bands that get in that little caliber, and I'm like, ugh. They found a formula. <laughs> it works. You it, got, yeah, yeah, it you works. Got, you got your funky drum beat. You got your heavy guitars. And, and they're all extremely talented. I'm not taking anything away from them, but it just tends to become one big, long song. That's why I'm not a huge fan because there's no diversity in it. It's just the same thing. You got Zach screaming his head off, same exact formula, same drum beats, and you might get a little tricky on an intro, but that's about it. What'd you think of Audio Slave then? Way better. There you go. My taste, a lot of people like Rage a lot more. It's a lot more angry. I like angry music, so to me, Rage isn't that angry. But Audio Slave was cool. I'm a huge Chris Cornell fan, so those two together were great. And I was, you know, honestly, I was kind of bummed why Soundgarden didn't keep going, but I understand that. Bands come in waves. Bands get tired of each other. They get sick of each other. They need to take a break. They need to do something different. I thought that couldn't have been more perfect, especially because he did come back and do Soundgarden as well and his own solo career. Rest his, rest his soul. Love Chris Cornell. End of the day, though, go watch your local scene. Go watch the little bands that are touring in a, in a shitty Econo van. Go watch those when they come through town. We used to, you know, when I lived in Salinas, I would, there would be like, 
15, 20 kids that would go rent a van, pile in, take a pony keg with us, drive up to the Bay Area, about two-hour drive, go see shows at the farm, the on-Broadway. We would just come in droves just to see a good band and then come back. Because in Salinas, we didn't really have many shows in the punk scene in the 80s. There was nothing. We were it. We, we would throw backyard shows. We were the only thing that was going on back then. And uh, there was a few other local bands we would partner with to do shows, but you can't see that every day. It gets boring. So, yeah, we would just throw everybody we could in a Ranavan, go up there, or just take boatloads of cars and just go over there and just rock out in San Francisco, Oakland, Berkeley, and then we would just drive all the way back every time, and that was our thing. That's how we discovered music. You have to want to. You have to be passionate about it. Just like anything you want to see succeed, you are there. You are a part of that energy in that crowd. Everybody on this planet matters, whether you think so or not. So if you're in there, you're enjoying, you're reveling in that that energy, you take that energy to other people. Hey, check this band out. Whoa, I just saw this show the other night. That's energy. It just keeps going. It grows. That's how you grow a scene. Something so minor is that people take for granted and just take your ego out of the equation, make it happen. That's what reminds me of the black metal scene and how they kind of mimicked the 80s punk scene um, just with the sense that they were so anti-corporation. You know, you had bands that were, they didn't really have the uh, the flashy album covers. They just made it really super dark imagery, uh, very cold sounding, and they were anti-everything because they there was no dollar value, you know, attached to it until later on once some of those bands found some significant success. I mean, you had a uh, black metal bands that crossed over. They crossed over into different genres. Uh, bands uh, started merging with death metal. You had some big black metal bands like uh, Dimmu Borgir, Cradle of Filth, Dissection, bands that really took off in the very beginning. And then black metal started having its influence in other genres as well, like thrash metal. You had uh, Witch Haven, Goat Whore, and Witchery. Those bands all kind of took elements of black metal and implemented them. And then you also had hardcore. Hardcore bands were taking that same black metal vibe. You have Ringworm, a band called Totaled, and you have Wolf King. And um, which brings us to our interview today. We have Tim Wilson from Wolf King. How you doing, Tim? Chilling, man. How you doing? Really good. I can't complain. Life is great. I'm stoked to have you here. So um, tell us a little bit about your band and what your last album and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, our band is, or my band's called Wolf King. It's a black and hardcore band from San Francisco, Bay Area. It's like a little mix of black metal, death metal, and hardcore. Uh, our last album came out 20, shit, 2018. It's called Loyal to the Soil. Hell yeah. And we just finished recording a new one with Cody Fuentes. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name of that yet. You can say whatever you that want. That coming out this <laughs> this year. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Don't want to get in trouble. Uh, so you have a new record coming out soon. Is that uh, what is that coming out on Prosthetic as well? Yeah, on Prosthetic Records. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, so last your last record in 2018, you guys did some touring for that, right? Yep. Who'd you guys tour with? Oh uh, man, we did a. Uh, Tour with Abigail Williams, uh, Rivers of Nile, Entheos, Zayo, a bunch of really sick bands, man. A, bu- a lot of bands that I've looked up to, like since I was younger, like Zayo, who like really got me into like more extreme music, like Converge and stuff like that. 
That's awesome. Which was really cool playing with them and like learning how they operate. And then younger bands who are like really doing it, like Rivers of Nile, who are like, we did a, their full U.S. tour last last year, um, and they sold out tons of shows, and they're in Europe right now selling out shows too. And this is it's crazy, like playing with the older generation, newer generation, seeing how like everyone works their own way and uh, how they kind of operate their business and their band and everything. Very cool. So, um, you guys, uh, do you have any tour plans or are you just like focused on the album right now? Uh, yeah, we got some tours, uh, lined up. Uh, we're leaving with, uh, Veld Nath and Gorod next week. Uh, we're doing a full U S with them. And then we got another, uh, confirmed festival in June, which I can't really say it cause that's not announced yet. Sure. And then another tour in July. Again, <laughs> can't really tell. We got we got a lot of stuff like coming up with you know you know the timing and all that stuff and waiting for the album release date to come out and stuff like that. So that's we're amazing. Just in that limbo stage, just waiting for everything to unfold. But you know, um, once it does, it's gone. And uh, you know, you're gonna you're gonna be gone. You're gonna be killing it. Now, is it is it difficult to manage your touring life and your personal life? Is it a lot of juggling, or do you just go full full bore into it? Oh man, it's a lot of juggling. It's a lot. Uh, thankfully, the job I have, uh, I work at Trader Joe's, which is like a health food store, and they let me take all the time off I need for touring. But uh, rules. Yeah, that that's super cool because I know the first couple tours I had to do like, uh, you know, like quitting jobs and yep. coming back and finding new jobs. And I know that was like the main thing back in the day when everyone was touring heavily. Um, now I feel like it's, it's a little easier if you can get the right job, but you know, like trying to juggle touring and the home life isn't easy at all, especially when you got, you know, your own personal stuff going on too. But, I, I've been like kind of figuring out, you know, you you juggle and you balance it and you make it work, you know, if you really want it and you got the drive to be like a touring musician or just like an artist of anything or anything you want to do in life, you know, it, it takes all the balance, it takes all the hard work, but if you got the drive, like you can do it, you can be surprised like what, what you can do, you know. Like, I met you, like, two or three years ago. Right. You know, telling you I was in a band and stuff, and then now we're, like, touring the States, you know, hopefully touring Europe next year or I, something. So. I remember when you were asking me, like, should I? And I'm like, dude, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Go for it. Right. <laughs> I was right. so stoked. I was like, dude, just go. Don't even think about it. Just do it. You'd, it's always better yeah. to do it and, you know, enjoy it instead of saying I shoulda, coulda, woulda, because that's the standard, right? Yeah. Like. No, you're doing great, and I've just been watching you, and your band is killing it. Now, when you first, when I first heard about your band, you're only a three piece. Are you still just a three piece? Uh, no, we're a four piece now. Yeah. Okay, so did you add on a bass bassist? Yeah, added on a bassist, and then we got a new drummer. Okay, and then uh, me and the guitarist are, I guess, pretty much the only original members from since the band started back in 2013 or so. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. And you've been in the band since 2013, or has it just been? Um, I think I think like late 2012, 2013 is when the band actually formed. And when did you join? And then, um, around that time, I think 
because they already had a band going, but oh. it was a totally different sound and different band name. Gotcha. And then when I got on board, you know, we kind of rode that wave a little bit, killed it, and then just started a whole new band, a whole new sound. And then just over the years, just trying to refine that sound and just make it how we want how we want it to sound and like be the band that we want to be like deep down but it takes it takes a lot of like fuck like you know <clears throat> refinement changing songs changing like the tones and stuff to be like okay this is like original enough but it's also you have the influences that other people that listen to other music can get into also yeah i, I listen to your guys you guys definitely have a unique sound even in your genre of like black and hardcore and there's a lot of bands i've heard you guys i could pin you guys out i could pick you guys out um do you do the the guttural vocals as well as the screaming no i mean i try and do some like lows or like some growls but i don't i haven't really mastered the guttural's yet it's i i'll try and like fuck around in my house or like in my car right but it just sounds like too goofy your screams are like your screams are perfect I mean, they're just Thank you, sounds yeah. just wretched. It's awesome. And uh, who does the Dude. gutturals on your on your album? Oh, that's uh, that's Jake, our guitarist. Nice. Does he do them live too? Yeah. Very you know cool. what's crazy is he uh, he does uh, some kind of clean vocals on this album too, on the newest record. Very cool. And dude, he's a really good vocalist. And it's crazy because when we were tracking, he's doing the clean vocals, right, sounding hella good, and then right after the cleans me and him both do like a dueling vocal and then immediately he's like singing like super high notes and then into these straight nasty gutturals and it's like nice i don't even know how, how the fuck you do that dude it's, it's pretty crazy <laughs> i can't wait to hear it that's awesome yeah it's crazy man like his his lows are like he sounds like a like Satan himself but he is like the nicest fucking dude and his <laughs> voice is like super light he's like Hey, how's it going? You know, and then he's like, Ugh. "That's like, awesome. What the fuck? That's great." So you uh, and you have to keep that beard, right? That's not going anywhere, right? The beard? Yes. Yeah, yeah, dude. I have to keep it because <laughs> the last I remember seeing you with like just this crazy mane of hair, and then it was just gone one day. I'm like, "Whoa, what happened?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a mistake. I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna try this hairstyle." Didn't work out, so then I just shaved it all off. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I feel like I feel like if I shave my beard, I'd probably cry. Yeah, I feel awesome. like that's kind of my identity now. <laughs> it's, it's become a part of it. That's great. <laughs> so you got you got um, um, loyal to the soil. Is that what it is? Yep. And you got how many chapters on that? How many songs? At least you got one, two, three. Is it four songs that are loyal to part four? Is it part one through four or is it on the album? There's like a, a row of them that have the same title with a number on in the end of it. And is, oh, there, yeah, so, is there a concept to that? Yeah. So loyal to the soil one and two, they're, um, the lyrics they kind of go hand in hand, but loyal to the soil one and two, like where it breaks off. Yeah. It's uh they're like kind of two separate songs, but it's the same idea, same kind of concept. Right. Same with, um, is it mortals, mortals one and two is kind of the same way. And, and what, what are you like? What's the concept of those lyrics that you're projecting? Well, I think loyal, uh, loyal to the soil, 
the the concept pretty much is like pretty much blatant as the title is is kind of like you know everyone who is alive right we're all pretty much gonna die anyway so right <laughs> trying not to be so straightforward like that but that that's, that's kind awesome. of like straightforward how it good. is and then <laughs> yeah and then mortals fuck dude I don't even know mortals man I haven't listened to those songs in a while but sure. I think it's it, it's kind of like the same idea I would have to go over them because we used to play uh, mortals one or two live uh, when the album first came out but then we haven't played those songs in two years or so there's right. only a handful off that album that we play live so do you guys play mostly new stuff now or I mean do you have you added in new stuff into your set list or are you waiting for the album to come yeah. out for that yeah we added well yeah we added four new songs but then we kind of just brought it back down to three just cause the new album's not out yet and not everyone would know the songs so we didn't want to bombard them with music they didn't know yet. For sure. But we also do songs off of the uh, Into the Infinite EP, which is 2015, I think we came out with that one. And we do one song off there, so we kind of like have a little bit from each album going on this new set. It's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Um, what are your What are your main influences that you... You know, what are your influences, your personal influences? Yeah, um, well, well, when when we first started, it was Converge, uh, this band called The Number 12 Looks Like You, um, a lot of heavy, you know, like that style of bands, which was like more like mathcore, like trippy. But now that I've, now that we've kind of progressed and I've learned more about music and like, kind of opened my mind to a bigger spectrum. I've been listening to a lot more black metal, uh, like Abigail Williams, uh, 1914. They're this sick uh, black metal band. I've also been listening to uh, like Gate Creeper, uh, who else? Creeping Death, Power Trip, a lot of these like crossover genre bands. And that's where I feel like our music's kind of turning to. Because you could play do a lot of these tours with like say origin or goat whore and then you could turn around and play with like hardcore bands like terror or you know any band like that really so you're like dynamic switch over yeah cool. yeah i i think it's cool because um you know a lot of like the older generations bands you know they could dig us too because we got like the riffs and stuff like that and then if we played with like a black metal crowd we have that going on or like a death metal crowd we have that going on too definitely yeah when i saw you guys in uh yeah. sacramento with the dennis sin you guys killed it you crushed it was really good it was awesome watching you guys Thanks, dude. that that place was cool i didn't even know that was over there yeah it was a it's a little biker club and it's kind of on the yeah it's a little speakeasy that the uh, underground guys do because uh you know sacramento's a tough town to play yeah, yeah, I love that. I love those kinds of shows, dude. I, I want to do some house shows. House shows are great. Those were always fucking fun. Yeah, it's just it's all about finding who's, you know, who's going to be evicted and doesn't care, and let's just set it up and go. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yes. Do you guys, um, so do you have uh, merch on deck, new merch coming out, along with your new album? Yeah, we have a... Uh... We got some new merch coming. I know we have some online that we put up, and then for this tour, we got 
a new spread. I think we're doing like some crew necks, some hoodies, beanies, and stuff like that. Who does your artwork? Uh, Jake, our guitarist, he does all of our art. Oh, that's awesome! It's beautiful. Which is cool, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah very... he does all of our like album artwork and all that stuff. Too. He's extremely talented. Yeah, Tom, I said that. He's yeah. great. Dude, he's a jack of all trades. You got sick artwork, scary ass vocals. <laughs> yeah, they're you definitely know. scary. <laughs> the one man band, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome <laughs> for sure. But with your vocals, I mean, you guys. You guys definitely like put in some scary elements in that thing, and it sounds pretty wretched. I love it. Yeah, it's it's not. Yeah, right. dude, that that's a lot of uh, after shows. We get a lot of compliments on on the dueling when we both dual vocal, and everyone's like, "What the fuck is this? This is fucking crazy." <laughs> All right. So, um, what do you have uh, in store besides touring? I mean, like, do you guys just want to keep this going as long as you can? Yeah, I mean, I want, so right now we have, you know, out to July or August yep. with some tours confirmed, but off this record, I, I really want to go to Europe. I want to do at least two or three more full U.S. tours. I, I want to do a lot of touring, man. Like, you know, ever since, you know, you said, like, when I was first talking to you about it, you know, like, yeah, dude, go and fucking do it. Like, that's all I want to do now. I, I... <laughs> I love doing it. You know, it gets stressful sometimes when you're sure. after every show. You know, you got to drive six or seven, eight hours to the right. next city, and it gets fucking tiring. But right. when I come home and I'm working, and it's like, fuck, dude, I don't want to go to work. Like, I'd rather go play shows or something. You're addicted. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I think I've got. I think I've got the poison now. You got the bug. Yeah, it's it's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing like it. For sure, man. And uh, yeah. yeah, so. Uh, what are you, uh, what are the, other than that, like, what, what do you find you know, on the subject of touring? What's your most memorable subject? What's your most memorable show or, you know, event that you really sticks with you when you think about touring? What's the number one thing? I would say, so our first, maybe our first actual tour when we got our, uh, agent DeFont, Daniel DeFont, uh, we had a tour out to, San Antonio, and we had one one fucking uh, routing show, and it was in Salt Lake City, so we had to drive up to Salt Lake City and then down to San Antonio, and then we did our first tour with uh, Seeker and uh, In Full Darkness, and I think that was like, it was the first real experience of a real tour that you're not booking yourself, you know, there's like load-in times, there's like, you know, promoters like the ones that we would book it would just be like hey dude, can we play at your house and they're like yeah whatever you know show up whenever we'll start when right. you guys are ready right but there's like a scheduling and you know all this other shit behind it but there's like really there's a lot of you know tour memories i could think of but on the spot i don't fucking know the rivers of nile tour was really cool because there would be like two or three openers before we would go on so when we played the room was already like pretty full and we got it got to meet a bunch of like industry people from like nuclear blast or like metal blade or uh andy from every time i die like all these bigger sicker bands and labels were coming out to the shows and it was just cool meeting all those dudes like i never thought like i'd fucking be in the same room with them or like at least shake their hand and talk to them that's amazing. Try not to freak out and 
fangirl over him and try and like be a cool mellow dude like hey yeah dude. <laughs> watch the music by the way well, well now you got people doing that to you now so how does that feel yeah right <laughs> <laughs> yeah just... man no i love it dude like not like when we go out to texas and stuff i feel like texas or austin is kind of our second home because that's usually like where our tour ends all the time for some reason but I have a friend out there, his name is uh, Brosi, and he brings me, he always makes these beard oils, and he brings me like 12 or 13 bottles of them just for the fuck of it. What do you, what do you, use, like, beard, what do you use beard dude, oils dude, for? Yeah. What do they just keep it, yeah. more, like, keep it, like, hydrated, or what, what do you, what do you use those for? I don't have a beard, so. <laughs> dude, honestly, I never really put anything in it, besides <laughs> shampoo and conditioner, but <laughs> I need to because this shit gets fucking dry, dude. Sometimes I want to shave it off. But <laughs> no, you can't. Crying. <laughs> you can't. I'm going to be like, who's that kid? <laughs> oh, that's our singer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who's that 12 year old boy you guys have with you? <laughs> That's great. Well, hey, Tim, this is great talking to you, great catching up, and I'm really stoked and happy that Wolf King is fucking killing it, man. Very happy. Thank you, man. I'm, uh, I'm like super glad I got to meet you and I got your. Uh, you know, got your advice and you mentored me a little bit, you know. Yeah. Just telling me to fucking nut up and shut up and go out there and do it. Yeah, you you know, you came up uh, and you were like, I play in a band, but you weren't, like, you know, you weren't pretentious. You were very, like, humble and honest, and I was, I caught that right away, and I was like, oh, this guy's got something. And then when I heard your band, I was like, oh, shit, I'm actually legit, go, do it, go, don't don't look, just, just run, just keep doing it. Yeah. And that's that, yeah, I'm very happy to see where you guys have gone. You guys are killing it, and I continue to do so. Very happy for you. And uh, we're going to wrap this up, and um, it's nice talking to you. Thank you, man. It was good talking to you, too. I'll talk to you later. For sure. All right, um, everybody. Tim Wilson from Wolf King. Take it easy. See you, guys. Okay, it's Q&A time. I made a post on social media, and Mike's going to read some of those questions to me. Go ahead, Mike. All right, we got one from Pete Weber. How did Ray Finkel miss the goal kick for the Dolphins and then turn himself into a woman? Um, no, that doesn't even count. That is a movie. That's from Ace Ventura. Pete, well, okay, I'll tell you one thing about Pete Weber. He's the drummer from Havoc. <laughs> Just so you guys know. And me and him are always busting each other's balls about everything. And uh, how that happened, watch the movie. He was very, really resentful toward uh, Dan Marino in a Super Bowl that actually happened, but the storyline is not even close. The 49ers blew them out. No field goal even mattered in that one. Thank you, Joe Montana. Next. All right. Bobby Santana. Who's your biggest inspiration when it comes to music? Uh, Inspiration. I would say it was the mid-'80s skateboard punk scene. And I mean that wholeheartedly because it wasn't one person. It wasn't one band. It was a scene that was really underground that never ever was commercialized and this scene was not skateboard punk like pennywise and offspring this was like the accused septic death beyond possession these underground bands that were killing it that were really obscure you had to find them in magazines and you know have their music mailed to you or if you were lucky enough find a local music store where you can actually find something like that and that to me is the core of what my musical identity is but thank you that's a great question cool Donald Balakin, what's the best way to get over the flu? Get over it? 
uh, or not get it. I mean, I, I washed Dr. Salgado. Over I, here. Yeah, I, I washed my hands thoroughly. Uh, I had the flu once when I was on tour. We were in Minnesota and uh, I think Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania, and it was really gnarly. I had it. It was so bad. The guys were looking at me every night like, are you going to be able to play? It was brutal. And I, I got through it, and uh, I stayed away from a lot of people at that moment. Um, as far as getting over it, just hydrate, 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 and just flush it out and get as much sleep as you can. Obviously, that's what I did. Uh, there's there's other ways to stay away from certain viruses, you know, like you might see a drunk chick at a bar. That's the cabrona virus. You want to stay away from that one. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Dumb question. Dude. All right. This one's from my homie, Brian Bitter. He might be. Uh, he's your bass player. He's my bass player and one of the singers in the Bitters. What's up, Brian? How you doing, dude? What was your favorite show that you played? My favorite show was uh, when Phil Demmel met me at NAM and asked me if I wanted to open their already sold-out show at the Oakland Metro. That blew me away. I wasn't expecting it. It was my first time at NAM. Me and Dave Sanchez just got done watching Body Count. We stumbled over to the hotel, and Phil just runs up to me and says, Hey, would you like to play... Uh, uh, would you like to open for one of our shows in Oakland? And I was like, what? I was like, well, uh, you know, I was really tired. It was like three in the morning. I was like, uh, which day? Because I got to work on Monday. He's like, are you really going to ask me which day? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Okay. Yes. <laughs> He's just like looking at me like, who did the fucking think you are? I'm like, I'm half asleep. I can't even think straight. I'm like, you know, I just had saw one of the best concerts I've ever seen in my life with my brothers, just all singing the lyrics word for word. It was so fun. And then he, he drops that on me. I can't even think straight. I didn't even think it was real. Right. And so, you know, a couple weeks later, we're on the phone talking, and I'm like, wow, this is actually going to happen. This is so great. It really was huge for me. It was very dear because, you know, just the whole violence buildup to the benefits we done we did to help Sean uh, go through his medical issues, and then now they're back. And he asked me to play their opening weekend. I was so floored by that. And the show was awesome. It was huge. It was great. We had a great time. That's so sick. Okay. This concludes this episode of the Jeff Salgado Show. Much appreciated. Uh, the questions will be asked weekly on the Jeff Salgado podcast page on Facebook. They'll be posted there every week. Um, like, share, and follow, and subscribe. And fuck, my tongue keeps bumbling. Son of a bitch. Okay, well, regardless, we are out. Peace. Peace.